0: Open your Bibles to the book of Malachi chapter 3. I'm just going to take you where the text taking me. Amen. Last week we looked at Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Today we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3 verse uh, 17 and 18 today. Amen. Oh, I love God's testimony about his people here. He says, they will be mine. Wow, says the Lord of hosts. Who will be mine? The one who fears God. Amen. The one who serves God. The one who gives to God. That's contextually. He says, on the day, that day, there's ago go that day, that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Seems to me that that day is going to be rough. Verse 18, so you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. I want to talk about today a new direction, how to remain blessed. The rewards of serving. Let us pray. Father, thank you again for your grace and mercy. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for your presence in this service, and thank you for your people, God. Now speak through this vessel. Use me now, Father, to deliver and deposit a word into the hearts of your people that will change them when they leave here. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God. You may be seated. Give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Ushers. Amen. I'm just glad to be alive, y'all. I'm just glad to be alive. Surviving a heart attack. Surviving COVID. Diabetes. And all these things. It's amazing how God will preserve you in the midst of a fallen world. When we talk about blessings, we have to always ask ourselves, what type of blessings are we really after? Some people are after material blessings. Some people are after spiritual blessings. But it's amazing because when the writer writes the book of Malachi. It is the last book in the Old Testament. And I say to you that a spirit of deception had come upon the people. There's a spirit that comes to deceive. And as we continue in this series on serving, It's a blessing to know the blesser. Come on, somebody. It's a blessing to know that in my serving, God rewards me. May I ask you a question today? How many of you are excited about the rewards of serving? Come on. And as we explore in this message we find that these believers or God's people had lost their way. I thank God that he saved me when he saved me. I thank God that he didn't save me and then I became deceived again. I didn't become bamboozled, hoodwinked. Amen. Tripped up, trumped up, tangled up in deception. God saved us so that we can serve Him. It's a mechanism that's built into every believer. God saved us to serve. And what we have to do as believers is understand that along with the blessing comes a responsibility. I don't know about you today, but I am interested in the rewards. There will be rewards here on earth. Don't ever think that what you're doing for Christ is in vain. Don't ever think that you being here is an accident. God, when he created the body of Christ, he instituted certain people in certain places. The body needs an arm and legs and a heartbeat and eyes to see and a head to think, the The Bible describes the church as a body, a living organism, not an organization. You and I are part of something that's real. And I want to say to somebody here today, God says, keep serving me. It's going to pay off after a while. All you're doing now is making deposits so that eventually you can make some withdrawals. And it's interesting to me when you look at this passage and you back up to verse 14, you find that the people of God has been deceived. Some people take this sentiment. Some people take on this spirit. He says, you have said it is in vain to serve God. You back up one more. You'll see verse 8. These people tell your neighbor they were deceived. You see, they thought that holding back from God, was their way of getting back to God. Lord have mercy. Tell your neighbor he owns a cattle in a thousand years. Tell your neighbor the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. And they that dwell in it. You see, the people were deceived. And the reason why I'm saying they were deceived is because there's no way you can look God in the eye and God says to you one thing and then you return in conversation and say how? If God, if God let's just say this, if God who is all-knowing, come on, help me, will you? God who is omniscient God who's omnipotent in other words, he's powerful he's all-knowing and he's omnipresent, if God says you're robbing him. The only thing you can really do is say to him, okay, God, I'm sorry. But these people, they didn't do that. Look what he says. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me because you're robbing me. But you say. Uh, Does that look like deception to you? Can I ask you a question? When God confronts you with truth, do you argue with truth? Do you rationalize with truth? Do you say, "Well, well, I ain't really doing that, you know, I mean, you know. And God says, how? God says, no, I'm sorry, you say how. God says, you're doing something, but then you ask the question, how? Wait a minute. Tell your neighbor that's deception. You know, when you don't want to really, you know, when you're in a relationship and you know it's over? And then you say, how? Well, let's see. (laughs) You talk to me bad. You mistreat me. Come on, somebody. You neglect me. And the list goes on. Then you say, well, how? But I've been telling you for months. Yes. Let me. I just need to illustrate it. I've been telling you for months, you're messing up, bro. Yes. And now when it comes time to walk out the door, you're talking about how? Uh-huh. Now watch this. If, if you would do that with God, I'm sure you're going to do it with a person. God is the wrong person. To to bring your how questions to when he brings an indictment against you, but then God deals with them right, and then God gives them the solution. Look what he says. He says what he said. But how? Look what they say. He said. But but how have we robbed you? And then God answers in tithes and offering. See, a lot of people don't believe that tithes and offering matters to God. It does. Don't be deceived to think that God does is not concerned about what you give. I'm trying to help somebody. Watch what he says next. Watch what he says next. He said, you'll curse with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He said, not just you, but the whole nation when doing this. Can you imagine this? Look what he says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And God says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Watch, if I will not what? Open for you the windows of heaven and pour out. See, we want the blessing, but do we want to do what we need to do to get blessed? We want to be blessed, but then when we're not being blessed, we ask how? How have I been robbing you, God? Pastor, I've been showing up. I've been doing, man, listen. God said, you have been honest. You've been holding back from me. Come on, somebody, but we want the blessings. And then when we go on with this here, he says, I will open the windows of heaven, and then I'm gonna do some rebuking. Listen, listen, let me say this the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And can I say to somebody here today, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your resources, your relationships. He wants to destroy you at work, he wants to destroy your reputation. But God says, I will rebuke him for you if you obey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You say, my giving does all of that? Yes, it does. Some of us have been given so long that we expect God to just rebuke. And guess what? You've come to live a life now where you know that no matter what happens, God's going to take care of you because you've been doing the right thing all the time. Do I have anybody? I'm, I'm living in the overflow. Come on, somebody. How many of you living in the overflow? How many of you want to live in the overflow? Come on, I'm talking about where blessings begin to overflow from those windows that God will open over your life. Then he goes on and he talks about that, 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 then he talks to that group of people in verse 13. I just had to show you the context. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord of hosts. You see, what he's saying contextually is that when you ask the how question, knowing you've been doing wrong, that's arrogance. Let me, let me help you with something. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I need some more grace. Lord, give me grace. I mess up too much not to have grace. Come on, somebody. I miss the mark all the time that I need grace. But Lord, take any arrogance that I have against you, God. Teach me to be humble. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to trust you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then last week I told you that he has a book with your name in it. Your name is written. And, 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 and notice he moved from giving to serving. That's part of the Christian life. Do you understand that? Do you understand that giving is part of your Christian life as well as serving? Cannot not make time for God. I cannot not make time for God. That's the bondage. I cannot not make time for God. I need to make time for him. With all that we got going on. The enemy is always trying to pull us. Everything is important until the day God called your name. Do you know that when he calls your name? Watch this. Everything that you had on your calendar wouldn't matter. Listen, listen, your big time schedule, it won't mean nothing to God. Watch this when he calls your name. Hey, can I get a witness here? Y'all going to preach with me, right? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now, now we get to verse 17. And he's talking about those who fear God. See, I fear God so much, I'm scared not to tie. But but let me tell you what that scared means. It's more of a reverence than me being afraid. Because I don't want to end up like them. Watch this. The Bible was written for our instructions. our example so we can learn something from Israel how did they get so hardened in heart watch this watch this he says he says verse 16 then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another I told you this last week right and the Lord gave attention and heard it and the book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who esteemed his name It says they, I needed to get you to the day. They will be what? Mine, says the Lord of hosts. On what? Oh, on the day. We'll get to the day in a minute. Listen to this. He says, they will be mine. So what's the blessing from serving? First thing is, you start to realize how special you are to God. Let, let, me, let, me, let me explain to you what, what that word minds in the Hebrew. It means someone else's possession. The excitement of these words is that we can sense the pride that God had In those children that were obedient to him, who were serving him, who were giving to him, who were living for him, who reverenced him. Come on, the Hebrew word is translated as jewels, special treasure. Isaiah 43 uses the same word. He said, but now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you. Oh, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Same word. You will pass through the waters. You will be, I will be when you pass through the waters. I will be with you. And when you go through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. You are so special to God that it doesn't matter what pressure you go through, what pain you're suffering with, whatever you're dealing with. God says you're special to me. See, that's the reward of serving. I know that no weapons formed against us shall prosper. I know that the gates of hell shall never rise against this church. Because we're special to him. When you're serving God, you enter into a relationship. Watch this. You know what he says? On the day, it is the day of the Lord. It is, it is what I was talking about earlier. What, what makes God more happier than those who live righteously and serve him? It's like God is proud of us. That, watch this, that you're doing what you're supposed to do without being told what you're supposed to do. Come on and say amen. I know you have a life outside of church. But I want to say to somebody else, God, in other words, God is looking at you and he says, you're mine. And I'm proud of you. You're mine. And I love you. You're mine. And on that day, oh, that day is coming. And I want to say to somebody here, it's coming. and You got to believe that it's coming. But until that day, God, I'm special to you. I'm going to make you proud that you have called me your child. Do I have anybody? You see, physical deliverance and bodily resurrection, the righteous will be his treasured possession. Listen, the devil may try to pull you down, but you are special to God. You are his possession. He says, they will be mine. Oh, I thank God that my earthly father didn't give me what I need. But thank God that my heavenly father knows me. And guess what? He treasures me. And he loves me with an everlasting love. A love that even when I disappoint him, he keeps on Blessing me, he keeps on taking care of me. Why? Because I fear him. See, if God treasures you and I, then we ought to treasure him. But there's a lot of people living with an insecure in an insecure relationship with God because they don't understand why they're going through what they're going through. But even when you're going through, You know that you are special to God, so you know you're going to get through it. You know that trouble doesn't last always. You know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Here's something you know. You know that the Bible says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be complete and lacking in nothing. And if any man lacks anything, let him ask of God. But when he asks of God, he must ask in faith. Believe. Believing that God will give them what they ask for. All I'm trying to say is that when you know you're special. When you know you're special. It doesn't matter what people do to you. It doesn't matter where you are. I know that I'm special to God. But see, you're evaluating based on the things you see on earth materially. And God says there's a bigger picture ahead of you. Because all this stuff, you're going to leave it behind. Money's going to leave you. Man's going to leave you. A woman's going to leave you. Children's going to leave you. Stuff's going to break. But God says you're special to me. They are mine. I wanted you to get the impact of that word, mine. So the next time you start feeling down about yourself, you ought to say, I'm special to God. I said you're going to start realizing. You don't realize that you're special to God until you do something for God. Hey, come on, somebody. Take, 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 take. Take, 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 Give me, give me, give me, give me. That's how we come to him. And he keeps saying, maybe you're mine. It's a two-way street. You give me your time. You give me your talents. You give me your treasures. And guess what I'll do for you? I'll give you everything you ever desired. Because I'm God. Look what he says next. He says, on that day, that I prepare what? My own possession. Watch this. He says, you're his. Look at the second part to that verse. He says, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who what? Children today are disrespectful. They think that after they get to a certain age, they don't have to listen no more or serve no more. Disrespectful. (laughs) Just disrespectful. God says, here's how you know you're you're my possession. I'm going to spare you for some things. You know what the word spare means? Compassion. Listen, I don't deserve any of it. Not the way I act. Oh, come on, help me somebody. I, I don't deserve it. But thank God for mercy and grace. I, I re- he really should give up on me. He really should, should do that. But see, there's a clause here. And also, there's a reciprocation here in this in this verse. He says, as a son, he uses an example. <laughs> the son that serves his father is protected. So the next, the next thing you start realizing when you start serving him is this. You start to recognize that you're protected. no bullet, no grenade, no assault on your character. Come on, somebody. What They lying on the streets. They saying all kinds of stuff about you at work. Guess what? If you serve him, the blessing is you are protected by him. If you give to him, come on, somebody. If you try him, you realize, man, I'm protected. I'm say one more time, I'm protected. Why will he deliver you? Give him a reason. Some of you want deliverance, but you won't serve. Some of us are serving, but we ain't giving. You are a son, a daughter, but you got to be faithful. What 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 does that mean to be faithful? It means to put him above everything. And what God wants to do is he wants to spare you some troubles that you're going through right now, some pain that you're dealing with right now, some predicaments that you find yourself in. But rather than turning to him, you get your attitude. You're upset. You're mad. You want to know, well, is he real? Oh, he's real. Oh, he's real, y'all. In my soul, he's real. And Lord, I want to tell you, thank you for delivering me from circumstances, from some people. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I am a son. And you are sons and daughters of God. I thank God. The blessing of serving is that I know I'm special. Is that I know that I'm protected. But here's the thing, there's a key word I'm using here. You start to recognize you know the reason you parked sideways, one because you couldn't see, it was because of what was in your bloodstream, but yet you got home safely. Then you said, Lord, I won't do it again. And yet, you did it again. And yet, he keeps on protecting you. I want to say to somebody here today, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. You are a child of God. The devil is a liar. Are you with me? Look at verse 18. About to sit down. Here's the problem with us. Deception is the problem. Man, the spirit of the spirit of of deception can show up in all kinds of things. You know I was watching this thing. That's why I never get involved in that kind of stuff, right? I never I'm never in pursuit of something that God doesn't want me to have. That's why I keep my eyes on him. Amen. North Korea last year stole almost stole a billion dollars. 1 billion in cryptocurrency. And that's the reason why I hold and I pump my brakes and I say, God, I'm not looking for riches. I want favor. $1 billion. They almost got away with the billion. It was like 800, 800 million. Almost. You say, what does that got to do with anything? What I'm saying is I'm protected. If you invest, not in the casino, not in the one arm bandit and the scratch offs and you invested in the kingdom, your return is gonna be greater. But this next point is gonna bless you. He says, so you will again. Now, here's what where I'm looking at this. You will again. Which suggests what? Ah. It happened before, but the present condition means that you you weren't experiencing the again. Is this making sense? The people of God had been so deceived, God said, You will again. Distinguish between what? The righteous. And the wicked. Pull it up on the screen for me. Here's your next blessing. You will receive discernment and direction. Let me tell you what discernment is. Discernment is the ability, amen, to judge a situation, a person, A circumstance correctly. That's what discernment is. But can I tell you this? Discernment comes with spiritual maturity and studying the Word of God. Here's the thing it's a cousin to wisdom. First cousin, maybe, to wisdom. So in other words, God says, well, here's the thing. If you, if you if you serve me, if you give, then you start having discernment, direction again. When the wicked show up to try to pull you out, you will discern them. The folk trying to figure out why you don't want to hang with them is because you discern their motives. You know when a brother come up to you telling you he got this and third and he living on his mama's couch trying to take you out, you know he ain't for real because you got discernment. Discernment. You understand that we ain't going the same direction. You going that way, I'm going this way, so guess what? Peace, bro. We ain't got time for that. I'm not going to waste my life chasing something that not, that's not going to work. Why? Because I have no discernment, on no the direction. But if I put God first, ask me how I know. Now, one of the things I have is keen discernment. My discernment is so keen, it's zeroed in. Don't come at me left field. I know when you're coming. I can sense it, just like I can sense when you're going through as your shepherd and I call you I say, come on, let's talk a little bit. What's going on with you? You understand what I'm saying? Discernment. And you can have the same thing if you serve him, if you give, you see, when you are a child of God, you will not be fooled by the world system. Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So many people go into the world, so many Christians go into the world and they become like the world because they're fooled by the world, because they're pulled in into all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with God. Because they've made a decision to walk away with God. I got three minutes. Not the one who serves God you'll know the difference. You'll know who's who. How many want wisdom? How many want discernment? How many want direction? Now, now you know, one and one is two, right? Yeah? That's not discernment. <laughs> That's easy math. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you see 365,000 by 5,000,000 10,000, 10, 10, then you're like, what's that? I need wisdom to decode that. Because the first person may come to you as a one, but they may be a ten. Hello, somebody. And I'm not talking about looking at potential. I'm talking about knowing what you're dealing with. Come on, help me, somebody. And it ain't your job to pull out the potential's view for it's up to you to discern whether or not this is for real. See, the believer don't live in fiction, we live in facts. Facts is, bro, you ain't got no job. I don't know why I'm on the brothers today, but Oh, D. Oh, D. Want me to get after him? Yeah. You know, do you, do you know this? Can I tell you something, uh, brothers? If you really buy into God's system, you ain't got to struggle a day in your life. For real. The problem with men is they want to challenge God. I ain't that big. I ain't that bold. I come humbly at his feet. Teach me to serve you, God. And then God starts to elevate you to a point in life where you have discernment. And then here's the thing. When a man has direction, he can lead. Oh, come on. Help me, somebody. Some of us, we're just going through the cycle every day. Same, same cycle. Because the brother ain't got no discernment. He ain't got no, he ain't got no direction. What am I talking about? Look what he said. He said to the to the one who serves God and what the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. Did you say that? Did I say that already? Okay. Here's here's the next point. Yeah, ready? Between the, he says you'll be able to what discern the righteous, right? The between the righteous and the wicked, right? And then he comes down to talk about the one who what. So do you think that, here's his thing. His, let me ask you a question. I got one minute. Here's uh, the thing. Do you, do you think God is, was interested? Why would it be important for me to know who serves God and who don't serve God? Why would that be important for you? Because you got to know whether you're wasting your time or not. Come on, man. You know what my last point is? You will really know who's a true servant of God. You will know that. God says you will know and you will know what to do. There's a woman, I want to say this to you. I asked myself this question, like, why was it so important for them to understand who knows, to know the difference? And here's what the Lord revealed to me. Misery loves company. Bad character corrupts good morals. And Satan is After your serve, he is. He wants to destroy that. So he will yoke you up with people who will do just that. Serving glorifies God. Serving gives him glory. When you, by the act of faith, watch this, will serve him, but then the act of faith to give to him, that's an even stronger testimony. There's a woman who religiously read her Bible daily, and she sought to walk by biblical principles. One day, her son came home, and after a meal, he picked up her Bible, which was worn from much use. As he looked through his mom's Bible, he saw penciled above certain bible verses the letter tp tp was printed above the lord is my shepherd i shall not want tp was pre- was printed above the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear tp was printed above all things work together for the good of those who love god and are called according His purpose. Throughout her Bible, TP appeared above all these verses. Her son said, Mom, I can tell you're a Bible student, but I notice above certain verses you wrote TP. What does TP mean? His mother responded, Son, I don't just read the Bible. I believe and obey God's word. TP, son, stands for tried and proven. I wish I had somebody. TP stands for what? Tried and proven. When he says, test me now in this. Oh, I wish I had somebody. If I will not open up the way, I've tried and it's proven. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've tried and proven that when you praise him, when you pray, when you serve, I've tried and proven that the Lord is my shepherd. That no weapons formed against me shall prosper. Every now and then, you got to get a verse. And you got to put a TP on top of it. And you got to say, tried and proven. Because my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. And when it's all said and done, you can say, as his mama said, tried and proven. Give God a hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. As I look back over my life, Oh, I'm grateful for what God has done for me, and I want to say to somebody here, you need a little TP in your life because you've been doing it your way, and you've been trying something, but it ain't proven yet. God doesn't take that long to change your life. It's up to you. You're either going to fall where these people fell in deception, or you're going to break up out of that thing and say, God, God. Here I am today, tried and proven that it works. This works. It works. You are the remnant. You know what a remnant is? When everything is blown away, whatever's left. You are the remnant. God is real, y'all. God is real. Those chairs that you're sitting in today, they're a miracle. Y'all ain't trying to hear me. We didn't have chairs eight months ago to fill this sanctuary, it's a miracle. He showed me I could take you places. Some of you need to pay closer attention to what God is doing in your church. The devil wants us to quit and then ask the question how? I want to say to somebody here today, you have to make a decision that you're going to serve God. You're going to stop holding back on him.